Good morning, everybody. Let's pray together. Father, we praise you because you meet us here. From the shadows into your radiance. God, we understand that the shadows are us. It's our sin. It's the darkness that we like way too much. And the radiance is the light of your glory. And so, Lord, we pray that you would shine your light in our lives. And, Lord, today, that you would not allow us to be normal, that you would not allow us to be complacent, that you would not allow us to leave this place without coming face-to-face with who you are. And, Lord, sometimes it can be so easy to do religious things without coming face to face with you help us not to miss the point of our very existence today god i thank you for this church for this place for for these people this family and i pray that you would have your way in our lives today we pray this in christ's name amen thank you for being here I am looking so forward to worshiping together or continuing to worship together. I think that I may be responsible for some people missing (laughs) because we wove them out, the McPherson family, my wife, and of course, Karis and Ryan, they're probably in the air somewhere flying to Florida. And so, thank you for those who came last night. It was awesome just to spend time together and it was sweet so thank you for that and i want to make sure that you know that next week the efflers will be here for the last the last time that we will see them for a little bit and we will have an opportunity to send them off and so i want you to to pray this week for them but also when they come next week have a word of encouragement from the from the overflow of your prayer for them this week encourage them as we send them off and we'll be praying for them next week as they get ready to head to synagogue all right so we are going to take an offering and as we continue to worship with with an offering could get some guys to come and help man a basket All right, well, let us pray for the offering. God, we praise you for giving us everything in Christ. And Lord, I pray that as we, as we give to you, that, that this is a, an opportunity for us to worship. And Lord, help us to grow past seeing this as anything except worshiping you. Help us to grow in this and give cheerfully. And Lord, I pray that you would use these funds to to bring yourself glory, to build your kingdom, and to to grow us in Christ-likeness. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, the Saunders family missed you guys last week, uh, but we we had a wonderful time uh, on vacation in the mountains. We went to Natural Bridge, Virginia, and um, and it it's. It may be a coincidence, I don't know, this this song ended up in the set list this week, that our God is so indescribable, because 
when we're standing there, you know, and, you, and, the, and the mountains are just breathtaking anyway, but when you go to a natural bridge and you see, you know, that, that expanse there of, of, of rock, you know, that's just kind of hanging in the balance there, it's just, uh, it's indescribable, you know, breathtaking when you, st- when you stand back and you look at, you know, just that little glimpse of God's creation and, and to know, you know, how small we are really. When you look out across the ocean, you know, and you just see you just the, the expanse of the ocean and you re- sometimes just feel like how, how small we really are on this, this planet, you know, and then, and then the universe, you know, um, uh, I had a little fact on here that a, a one light year is about 6 trillion miles. And the closest star to us is 4.3 light years away. That's crazy, guys. I mean, we live in a, in a, in a universe created by the, the perfect creator, you know, and we're a part of that, and he wants a relationship with us. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy love right there. That, that doesn't even make sense. Um, but that's, that's the kind of God we serve, and he is indescribable from the highest of heights in outer space to the depths of the sea that people haven't even been before miles and miles below in the deep you know uh, he he is the creator of all that and and we're a part of that and guys if we don't sing this morning the rocks are going to cry out so uh let's let's practice uh singing because because one day that's going to be our job right we're going to we're going to praise and worship the creator in heaven uh, every day every every second and we're going to love it and so we need to get some practice in while we're here right <laughs> so let's uh, let's stand up guys and let's sing about how indescribable our god is before i get too too far i want to share a couple things with you one that it is it is the season for operation christmas child the shoebox deal and so i did not mention it before but tis the season it is time and so there's more information more stuff the boxes out at the the front Make sure you take advantage of that because the the time is drawing near and it will be November, mid-November when they're due and that is coming. Also, for a few months we've been collecting school supplies and this past week they were given to Buckland Elementary School and they sent us a cute card which reads dear abundant hope church thank you so much for the school supplies for our students we truly appreciate such a kind gesture our students are our future and we believe that every opportunity is a blessing and that is from the buckland school staff and so i want you to know that your gifts have been received and they are certainly appreciated and so thank you thank you for that as we continue in the the new testament as we go through the entire bible as the temperatures cool we get closer to the end of the text of the of the bible and so we can see how from creation even really infinitely before creation 
God has a plan. And in this plan, he has worked it all the way from the very beginning, or at least our beginning, and certainly way before our beginning, until the end of this earth and forever. And But when we get right down to it, have you ever thought of why we exist? Have you ever thought about what is it that drives you, that satisfies you? And I don't mean Krispy Kreme donuts, though they are quite satisfying. But this is not exactly what I'm talking about. I want to I want to read from John chapter 6 and and really talk about the all-satisfying Christ. But as we do this, I want this and I believe it does naturally hit very deep to the core of humanity, to where we are, what drives us, what motivates us. And how people are motivated by things good and bad. How there's addictions where people look for things to satisfy. And to break the power of addictions requires a satisfaction that's beyond anything that we could produce on our own. And so, I want to read John 6, verse 25 through verse 71 and if you would turn there and if you would with your Bibles open would you stand please and honor the reading of God's word the book of John chapter 6 verse 25 to the end of the chapter When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you were looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. 
All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do <clears throat> my will, but to do the will of he who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, They will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the man in the desert, yet they died. But here's the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews begin to argue sharply among themselves, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood... You have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that comes down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but you, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend? To where he was before. The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, Many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. <clears throat> Would you pray with me?
God, help us to see us in this text. But Lord, help us to see us in the text where you see us in the text. God, thank you for being the hero of your own story. And you are worthy. Lord, teach us today and help us to, to be able to be satisfied completely by you. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So I want to offer just three simple truths that will make our lives radically different. Radically different from this world. You will be weird <clears throat> if you adhere to these three things, but in such an awesome way. And the first truth is this. Jesus alone can fulfill our desires. Jesus alone can fulfill our desires. When we look at this, in verse 26, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. If you feed them, they will come. <clears throat> and if you do it by a, a miracle, they're going to come next time too because they think there's going to be a show, a miracle, something amazing. And the thing, the thing is, God created us to crave. He created us to desire. And like in Genesis 2, when God put Adam and Eve in the garden, have you ever thought about why he made them hungry? Why he created us with a need to eat, with a need for, for food, for water. <clears throat> and even later in creation, it was obvious that God created man with a need for companionship. And so we know from Genesis 2 alone in creation that there is a, a need, a craving for food, for water, for companionship. But don't miss this, that God created us to crave, but, but our cravings are designed to be satisfied by our Creator. And here is really the beginning of evil in some ways. We are created to crave. God designed us to have have a thirst. God designed us to crave. And <clears throat> he is the one who was to fulfill all of our needs, right? Our cravings designed to be satisfied by our creator. But then, like always, we mess it up. Sin nature, Genesis 3, and in, even here, in verse 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. 
and he who believes in me will never go thirsty. And so he's saying, I am the fulfillment of your desires. So true satisfaction is found in not in gifts, but in the giver. Isn't that crazy how God created us to have a need for him? To have needs that needs to be fulfilled only by him. <clears throat> and, and not only is true satisfaction not found in gifts, but the giver, our deepest craving is not for something, but for someone. But that leads us to sin and satisfaction. Where Genesis 3 comes, sin enters the world. Sin and satisfaction, we desire to be filled, satisfied by things that God did not design us for in the context into which God placed us. And so, the trigger of sin. The trigger of sin, looking to the things of this world to satisfy us apart from our Creator. Think about your life. <clears throat> Think about society all around us. How many times, how many ways are we messed up? How do we mess up ourselves when we choose to be satisfied by things with which God did not intend to satisfy us. If, even at a base level, if we are satisfied with just eating, with Krispy Kreme donuts, chicken nuggets, garbage, right? It's so satisfying, or at least that's what the commercials say, right? But the more we eat the garbage the worse it is for us. But God did not create us for chicken nuggets and Krispy Kreme donuts. He created real food, right? He created nourishment. And he laid it at our feet and told us, here it is, I will provide for you. But we ask ourselves this question. We don't say it out loud, but we ask, is God really enough? When he says, I will supply all of your needs, give us this day our daily bread. We talked about it in Sunday school. Do we trust him? So if we pray, God, give us our daily bread, do we trust that he's going to bring it today? Or have we already stored it up so we don't have to trust God for it? My dad, we had this phase, right? I was a child living at home, and my dad was the authority. And, but then there was this time when I was a young man when my dad made this transition to... He was very wise, <clears throat> and he would encourage, he would give wise advice when asked for. And then we went through this, this time where he was, he was growing old. He was like approaching 80. And there were things that I could tell he wanted me to know that he knew I did not know because he kept them from me. Things from our childhood that he kept from us. And I knew that we were poor. I knew. It was normal. And 
And when I when Joyce came into my life, it helped shine a light on how we were different. And so I knew we were weird enough that I wasn't ever inviting Joyce into my house, right? She never saw the inside of our house until we were married. And when I mean it was covenant, right? It was covenant. You come in this house, we are married. We have you have agreed with God that you are not leaving me. All right? So she comes in and she needs to use the bathroom. And so she goes to the bathroom and and she comes out in like like six seconds. Oh damn. And she comes up to me, kind of embarrassed, and she says, How does it work? Because this was normal to me, right? There is a toilet, but there's also buckets, right? Buckets with water in it. And the water doesn't look like you want to drink it. Because those buckets were sitting under our kitchen sink. Because, you know, we have a kitchen sink like normal people, but if you open the cabinets and look under... You see left and right bucket, right? Because that's where the drain goes. So you let out the kitchen sink water, goes into buckets. You carry buckets to the bathroom because that's what flushes the toilet. That's what I thought was normal. That is not normal, people. So, and my dad's telling me these things. And my dad told me, here's where I'm getting to. He said, I want to share with you something about God's faithfulness. And when... I would pray that God would give us this day our daily bread. He said, my dad was a dumpster diver, right? He loved to go look in the dumpsters and see what he could find. And he would, he would find a chair that has like one leg. And he says, look, one day I'll jump in the dumpster and I'm going to find another chair that has three legs. Bam! Going to make it happen, right? That was my dad. But that's what I knew. And I thought my dad was just weird, which he's weird. But... My dad would, would go looking for food in dumpsters. I didn't know that. And, and so sometimes he would leave work and go look in the dumpster to see what we were having for supper. I'm thinking, man, I didn't know that. My dad hid that from me until a few years back. And, but what came through to me was my dad, 80 years old, lived all of this life. And my dad wants to point out to me, before he forgets, to tell me this story of God's faithfulness for years. He said, we never went hungry. And he said, what I did see was, there was this one place, it was a grocery store, and he believes that the grocery store, somebody in that grocery store was a believer. And he said he started seeing in that dumpster, it was not just stuff he had to collect. He said sometimes there were bags of stuff that I know somebody must have seen. God must have touched somebody's heart. And they bagged our supper for us and put it in that dumpster because they, was, they knew that I was too proud and would be embarrassed if they just gave it. God will supply all of our needs. Do we have faith on a daily basis 
to trust God to do what he says he will do, to satisfy the things that he created us to crave. And so the trigger of sin is that we look to things of this world to satisfy us apart from our creator. The tragedy of sin is we run from the one our souls long for most. We were created, God created us with a desire or a craving for Him. And yet, we run from Him. <clears throat> so the further we run from Him, the more we lose out on what we were created to crave. Do you see how nuts that is? And yet, we all run. Jonathan Edwards says this. He says, our external delights, our earthly pleasures, our ambition, our reputation, and our human relationships, for all these things, our desires are eager, our appetites strong, our love warm and affectionate. When it comes to these things, our hearts are tender and sensitive, deeply impressed, easily moved, much concerned and greatly engaged. We are depressed at our losses, and we are excited and joyful about any worldly success or prosperity. But when it comes to spiritual matters, how dull we feel, how heavy and hard our hearts. We can sit and hear of the infinite height and length and breadth and love of God in Christ Jesus, of his giving his infinitely dear son, and yet sit there cold and unmoved. If we're going to be excited about anything, shouldn't it be our spiritual lives? Is there anything more inspiring, more exciting, more lovable and desirable in heaven or on earth than the gospel of Jesus Christ? Should we be utterly humbled that we are not more emotionally affected than we are? Like, wow. So from this, you know, let's fill ourselves with, with God so we have no room left for the taste of this world, right? That we are so full of his presence, so full of his radiance, that there's no room for the garbage that this world throws at us. So Jesus alone can fulfill our desires, Secondly, Jesus alone can transform our tastes. Personally, as you know, Krispy Kreme donuts, they're like the top junk food of my life. I love them. But I don't want to be morbidly obese and die when I'm 52, right? And so I want Krispy Kreme donuts. But I know that Krispy Kreme donuts is not what God created me for. And I need to, to eat kale. Right? Kale tastes like the plastic version of lettuce. Right? That's what I thought. And then I tasted this soup at Olive Garden. And this, I don't even remember the name of it now. Y yes, that's right. 
Zupa. Yes. And so we made this soup at our house because we have interwebs that tells us how to fake their soups, right? And so, kale. And I have this underlying rule of my life that I don't eat boiled leaves. That has been it from, I don't like mustard green, collard greens, turnip greens. That's what the animals eat that I like, right? That's how I am. So, so I'm trying to not be morbidly obese and eat Krispy Kreme donuts and so kale. And so, y'all, that stuff's good. Kale, if you boil the plastic off of it, it's delicious, right? And so, this is how it is in, in, in life. If we have a taste for the world, we want it, we crave it, but only Jesus. Jesus alone can transform our taste. And so I pray all the time, God, make me long for you more than anything. Make me desire you more than anything. And just like, I mean, Jesus is certainly not like kale, right? But the same point, what our fleshly desires long for need to be changed by the power of God so that we can be what we were created to be. And so here's our options. Our options, we can conquer sin by working hard to change our deeds. As I say this, it sounds so dumb, but this is number one. This is what we do first typically. We'll just try real hard and I won't drive by a Krispy Kreme. You know, I'll move out to Gates County where they only exist in two-day-old form at the grocery store. You know, you don't ever drive by the Hot Now sign. And, and then you tell yourself, man, they cost like four bucks a dozen. I'm too cheap to eat nasty food, right? And all of these things. But y'all, I ate Krispy Kreme donuts just the other day. Even cold, like four days old. Eight seconds in the microwave, and they make you think that they're hot again, you know? We can conquer sin by working hard to change our deeds. We can work real hard, but all we get is deeper in sin and tireder. We can conquer sin by trusting Christ to change our desires. Right? There's our options. By working or trusting. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He believes in me will never be thirsty. So our options. But then our faith. How will we overcome the pleasures of sin? I do not have to explain to you the pleasures of sin because you were created with a free will just like me. <clears throat> you have yearned for things that are sinful that you have longed for that pleasure. So how will we overcome the pleasures of sin? You know, and, and so we have on this one side this work. We want to work, right? And, and so it's interesting that in the beginning of the text, when, when Jesus is, is talking about the, 
do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. They asked him, what must we do? What must we do? What's the list? What's the checkoff list? What do I have to do to appease this one? What must we do to do the works God requires? They are not much different than today's Christianity. What must we do? But it's not, I mean, this is worldwide. Islam, this is what I must do to honor Allah. Buddhism, eightfold path, the eightfold path to overcome this world. And it's eightfold path, but it's two to three hundred rules. And on and on and on it goes, what we must do to appease or please God or God's depending on the craze of the world. But if we're not careful, we can put Christianity in here as well. What can I do? What can I do? And if it's just a list, like go to church, be a good person, pray a prayer, tithe, trouble so how will we overcome the pleasures of sin by letting Christ overcome us with the power of his satisfaction it is it is a God thing we cannot do it and what tends to happen is we work at it we work at it we work at it and we work at it until we're so tired we can't do anything else and we're desperate and then we cry out to God because we've tried everything else that we have. And God says, finally, I've been waiting. In fact, I tripped you a couple times so you get here faster. And so, our prayer is that God increase our desire for pleasure and this sounds risque but I want to point out something that that we're settling we're settling for knockoffs I was watching this show one time <clears throat> I don't even know what it was but here's the Walter version of what I remember. The point of whatever was going on, <clears throat> you had these, these people at these tables, right? Picture a countertop, and they are making chicken nuggets from scratch. And you have these, I don't know how many people here, but all these prep people. And here, they take a whole chicken, like bones and like everything right pressure cooker and they pressure it down to chicken right they take that they strain it and the chicken goo goes over here and it is chopped up mixed with herbs and spices and other binders right that's what you want in your food binders and so and then the shaper 
The shaper puts it in nugget shapes. Bread it, fry it. Now here's what you don't see in this story yet. On this side of the counter are children. And the point is, they want these children to see how nasty and unhealthy these chicken nuggets are that are being made right before their eyes, right? So all this is going on at eye level. And these kids are watching the steps. They're watching chicken become McNugget, right? And so the whole point is to show them they're eating trash, eat kale, right? And so they get to the end of this, and here's a chicken nugget, and they give it out on the tray, and the fat is just oozing off into the, the parchment paper. And they're saying, so do you want this? And everyone of the kids said, mm-hmm, yes, yes. That's us. That is us. God is saying, this is garbage. This is garbage, and we're watching it. We're watching him tell the Israelites, this is garbage. This is what's going to happen if you eat this. You're going to be 600 pounds, and you are going to die at 47. Do you still want this? Yes. Make mine a double. We do it all the time. And, and we do it in calm things like, like smoking. If you smoke, look at this. This is what it does to your lungs. You can't run anymore. And all of this, right? And then we put it on the pack. It does this and this and grows four legs and all of this stuff. Do you still want this? It's so bad for you. Well, yes! And we can go through anything. And I know I probably offended somebody, but look. This is just one example. We get addicted to pleasures. And God is saying, you're falling for garbage. When we are satisfied by porn, we're satisfied by alcohol, we're satisfied by greed or power or any of these things. C.S. Lewis said this, if there lurks in most modern minds, the notion that to desire our own good and earnestly to hope for the enjoyment of it is a bad thing. I submit that this notion has crept in from Kant and the Stoics and is no part of the Christian faith. Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. And so, faith family, if you are living in adultery, if you are indulging in pornography, if you're living your life for greed or for the next big thing, or the next advancement, and you delight in these things, it takes so little to please you. 
It takes so little to please me. All it takes is a little mud pie in the Sloan. When God has made us for so much more, we are far too easily pleased. And so the word to us is trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him in this. But how do we know that He is He's better? How do we know that He's worth this? Because thirdly, Jesus alone can guarantee our satisfaction. Jesus alone. The crack dealer in the streets, he will say, I guarantee you'll be satisfied. Guarantee it. But Jesus alone can say it and deliver it. And the basis of this is the initiative of the Father. Verse 37, he tells us, All that the Father gives me, will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. And so there we have it. It is God the Father, the creator of the universe, that makes this guarantee. And it's done so, the initiative of the Father and the obedience of the Son. And so we trust in His obedience that he is obedient to the Father to death on the cross, but also that He is the one that draws us, right? By the very Spirit of God, He draws us, He seeks us. And again, just so we're all on the same page, if He did not come after us, we would not be found. We are not going after Him. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so the initiative of the Father, the obedience of the Son, the promise of the resurrection. In verse 40, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. So, satisfaction, thinking of that word and what that means, when life ends and satisfaction continues, that's a pretty good guarantee of satisfaction, right? That's not bad. So even in death, we will continue to be satisfied. And so the bottom line is this. Jesus has provided for our salvation in his death. And Jesus has prevailed over our sin in his resurrection. But in this, I think that we need to see this. Could this be us today? We no longer live for fleeting pleasures in this world. And they are all fleeting. The lie we tell ourselves is that they're not. It will not last. None of the, 
the pleasures of this world will last. And so, if we no longer live for the fleeting pleasures of this world, we have found total satisfaction in the person of Christ. Total satisfaction in the person of Christ. I hope this is not just words. This is a huge deal. Total, total, like all of our satisfaction in Christ. And, and so then, that means that that we now live for everlasting pleasure in the world to come. Right? So this world is not our home. It's not that we want to tear this world down. We just know that this is temporary. And we know that we were created for not here. We have a, a house where we moved from in Portsmouth. And our children, who are adults, are living there. And every time we have a wedding, one seems to not live there anymore, right? And so when we whittle them down to, to none, we'll figure out something and hopefully get rid of the house. But that is not my home. My home is in your I don't want to go burn that house down. You know, I don't want to ransack it, but it's not home. I believe that far too many people believe that this is our home. And if this is all there is, we need some riddling. We need to be depressed because that's a bummer. This is not it. This is not it, y'all. We're just in the airport waiting to fly. How disappointing would it be to be in the airport thinking that you're flying? That's dumb and depressing. About the same as thinking that if you're a believer, that this is the best it gets. Don't be satisfied with mud pies. But we will find eternal enjoyment in the praise of Christ. And I think there's something here before I close that we need to differentiate. This is something that we need to key in on. In a relationship with God, we are created and wired to desire Him, right? He is not a means to an end. He's the end. And so this is where the, the prosperity gospel breaks down. In the prosperity gospel, you come to God to get stuff. He will give you this, and you will be wealthy, and, and all of these things. But the point of the gospel is that you come by faith into a relationship to get God. And so if you're here for stuff, you're going to be depressed. But if you're here for God, it gets better. If you're broke, 
That's not why we were created anyway, right? If you're homeless, that's not why we were created anyway. Because there's a home waiting. There are riches waiting in the real home. Not the travel trailer, right? And so don't live for this. And if we have in our heart that we are satisfied in Christ, it changes everything about the here part. It changes everything. But if this is all there is, then we fight for it. We fight for this. And we waste our energy on something that's passing away. And so... We will spend the, the rest of eternity being satisfied in praising this one. And so let us learn from the example, both positive and negative, of the disciples. That as long as there's a good show, we'll hang around. But as soon as the food stops showing or the magic stops happening, we're going to go find somebody else to follow. When we should be after a relationship with the one who made us to start with. And so, hear this. If you are struggling with satisfaction and you are finding it in a fake I just want to encourage you that you are far too easily satisfied and there is something so much more than any hit, any drink, any amount of money, any of these things. There is, there is God who created everything and what Brian was talking about. Billions, trillions of stars. That God wants you and is chasing you down to have a relationship with you. Let him. Amen? Would you stand with me? God, as we have this faith that, that you are going to do in our lives what you have created us for. But Father, I pray for our struggles. I pray for our sin nature that we are, we are so good at it. Lord, help us to not fall for the cheap, the cheap stuff. But Lord, help us to, to be completely satisfied in you. So Lord, I pray for those who are struggling with this right now. Help us to... <clears throat> get our hearts and our lives in line with, with you so that we are truly satisfied and not always like having to yearn for something else that will satisfy us. But Lord, we thank you for showing us that we were created to be satisfied completely and eternally in you. So, Lord, I pray that in these moments that you break our heart, that you lead us to you in prayer, and that we will encourage one another and celebrate with one another as you gain the victory in our lives. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.